We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, it is time for another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Thursday. Ryan Roberts right there, my director of recruiting, two days away from kickoff for Notre Dame Cowman. And we've spent a lot of time this week talking about Notre Dame and the changes and the fixes that they need to make. Well, now we're going to talk a little about the opponent they're going to face on Saturday because I think that's kind of relevant uh, because a lot of the changes have to be then specific to what do you need to do to be Cal. So today Mm -hmm. and tomorrow – we're going to talk a little. We're going to talk about Cal. We're going to get you caught up. We're going to kind of give you an abridged version of all the different things we normally talk about. We're going to dive into the Cal offense, talk about their coaching, talk about their scheme, talk about their personnel, the areas where they're good, the areas where they're concerned, matchups that Notre Dame can take advantage of, matchups that could be a little bit concerning. We'll do the same thing with their defense, and then tomorrow's show we'll do our predictions. But at the beginning of the predictions, we'll kind of talk about what's at stake for Notre Dame, and then just kind of give just a couple keys to the game. Uh, tomorrow and we'll we'll have some of those sort of mixed in throughout today Ryan but just sort of an official here's the couple two to three keys on both sides of the ball give our predictions and then we're going to talk about some big time games tomorrow because there's some really intriguing games this weekend Ryan you got Miami heading down to Texas A&M to Kyle Field Miami looking to continue their build A&M looking to not fall out of the top 25 after losing to App State last week we're going to talk BYU Oregon some very fascinating games this weekend that we're going to discuss. And and those are just a couple of the games that we're going to discuss. There's going to be others as well, because it's another, it's another fun weekend of college football. So Penn state, Auburn, Michigan state, Washington, some really interesting games this week, but the most important game for us is Notre Dame and Cal. And so Ryan, let's dive into the Cal bears, a little bit of background on the Cal bears. They're two and oh, Neither win was overly impressive. They beat UC Davis. It was a pretty good division FCS. I was going to say one to play. Pretty good FCS team. I believe they were top 25 when Cal beat them. 34 to 13, I believe, was the final that score. Should have probably pulled that up and, and uh, not tried to do that from memory. But I'm pretty sure that that was the, the final of the game, Ryan. Yes, 34 to 13. I was correct. And then they beat UNLV last week, who's really not that good, 20 to 14. Mm-hmm. The game, it was weird watching it, Ryan. It wasn't that close of a game. Like you never mm-hmm. felt like UNLV was going to win. It reminded me a lot of, you know, some of the games that Notre Dame has played in recent years where it's like, you know, like Ball State in 20, 
18, where the final score is eight. Notre Dame played like garbage, but you never actually thought they were going to lose. Yeah, so it was kind of like that. So they won an ugly game, 20 to 14, and they are now won six out of eight. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and you look at some of the wins that Cal had last year, they won four of their last six last season after starting one and five. Uh, we talked before five point loss in Nevada, touchdown loss to Washington, touchdown loss to Oregon, a touchdown loss to Arizona last year, but they won four of their last six last year, beat USC by 10, beat Stanford on the road by 30. Uh, beat a, a quality Oregon State team at home by 14, and then they blew out Colorado 26 to three. So, uh, you know, Oregon State was a bowl team last year. That's a quality win. Uh, mm-hmm. Blew out Stanford. Now, again, Stanford wasn't good last year, but they did what they needed to do. They beat Stanford by one fewer point than Notre Dame beat Stanford last year. And then they come out this year and they've won two in a row. Now, this is not a great Cal team, meaning this isn't a vintage Aaron Rodgers, Jeff Tedford Cal team. But this is an ascending Cal team, right? And we'll get into some of the reasons why. So this is going to be a game. The reason we bring this up is just like Marshall last week. This is not a team that should beat Notre Dame. It is not. However, we want to give a clear understanding of what this team is. So if Notre Dame does do what they need to do, then you understand and appreciate the quality of the win. Uh, but again, for all the good things we're going to say about Cal today, Ryan, this is not a team that should come to Notre Dame Stadium and win this game. This is still about Notre Dame. It's still about Notre Dame doing what they need to do. If they do what they need to do, they're going to win. But if Notre Dame plays like they have in recent weeks, this is absolutely a football team capable of beating Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
And I think that they're going to be a well-prepared football team. Like that's the biggest thing, Brian. Like we, we're going to talk a lot about the coaching today, but you know, Justin Wilcox and and Peter Sermon and and Bill Musgrave, like they're coaches that are are very good. You know, at, at respectively what they do, and they, I think that they've built what what is a sound program, right? An ascending program that you mentioned a couple of their losses. They were close losses last year, a lot of close losses. So even the games that they didn't come out on the right ends, I mean, they were competitive, right? So I think that's the biggest thing with this Cal football team is that they are a competitive, tough football team that are going to play sound fundamentally on both sides of the football. They're, the talent discrepancy is obvious, right? Like Notre mm-hmm. Dame is a more talented football team than Cal. It's just they've been under the same system for a while now, right? They have kind of just a, a understanding of what is expected to them from a program perspective and they're a tough football team like they're not yeah. going to back down so I expect Cal to be very prepared to come into Notre Dame Stadium and play a tough game but I, I ultimately do think that Notre Dame has the key advantage from a talent perspective like I don't think there's one group across the board where I would say Cal has more talent than Notre Dame I just right. don't think one exists but right. obviously Notre Dame just lost to a team that was also the same case so Notre Dame needs That's to have a bounce back Cal. Yes, not as good as Cal. Not as good as Cal. Marshall's not as good as Cal, talent-wise. Agreed. I'll say this, too, about Cal. This doesn't have a lot to do with this game. It's more looking forward. Mm -hmm. They have upgraded their talent the last two years quite a bit, especially the skilled players on offense. And and so, and we'll get into that as as we as we as we kind of break down this game and 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 talk about it. So, Ryan, let's let's first and foremost dive into the offense because I think this is an interesting. before the show, I said I was going to do defense, but I want to do offense first so we can spend the rest of the time on defense. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting group because it's not very good, if we're going to be honest. Offense has been the thing holding Cal back the last yes. few years. Okay. Yep. And that's a reality. And but and when you watch them play, I you know, I've watched them in 19, I watch them at 20, because I've always kind of had an interesting eye on Wilcox. He's always been a guy that intrigued me. You know, as a guy that, you know, that guy kind of fits it, you know, what their name's looking for, you know, and 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 so you kind of had your eye on him going back to 19, going back to 20, going back to different periods of time as a defensive coordinator and as a head coach, obviously. And, and you look at him and say, you know, look, this is a, it's a good football coach, right? So let's see what he can build. Mm-hmm. And then you look at kind of the first couple of years. It was just, you know, they've always been a really well-coached team, but they were a well-coached mm-hmm. team that didn't have players. Last couple of years, the 2021 recruiting class, and to a degree, the 2022 recruiting classes have significantly upgraded their talent level. They brought in a quarterback who is talented but erratic in yes. Jack Plummer, which we'll talk about. So the talent has been upgraded, and that's why I say, Ryan, it's a it's a group that if you're if you play the way you did in recent weeks, you you, you could be in trouble. And a part yeah. of the reason for that is you have a a very well respected, longtime NFL coordinator running their offense. And as I've watched in the last couple of years, he took over in 2020, I believe, Bill Musgrave. Uh, he was the most recently the offensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos. In the last year, he's gotten more and more comfortable being a college coach. And mm-hmm. some of the stuff they're doing is a little bit more simplified than it was in 2020 when they were asking Chase Garbers to run a lot of really intricate stuff. You know, they've simplified it enough to where it's still complex, it's still pro style. But the players are executing it a little bit better. That they've got some issues talent-wise in non-skill positions, which we'll get into. But schematically, they're going to present some problems. He does some interesting things to get isolations, to get guys freed up down the field. They'll take some shots. 
not a ton of shots, but they'll they'll take some stuff. But you have know, watched them last year and this year, Ryan, and they didn't take a lot of shots, but they took a lot of shots early against UNLV. Mm-hmm. Now they and and so I'm curious to see if that's something that they're building on. Uh, because the the skill talent receiver is pretty good to get into, but but Mil, Bill Musgrave is a is a good quality, well respected football coach, and this Cal offense is still not where it needs to be, but it certainly looks better. And it's like they're just missing on some stuff to where if yeah. they start hitting some of that stuff, all of a sudden this this team becomes a lot more dangerous in the Pac-12. I left the film session, Brian. I mean, first and foremost, I thought that they schematically. They mix things up a decent amount, you know. Like there are a lot, they're, they'll come out in some twelve personnel, one back, two tight ends. They'll come out in a lot of eleven personnel. They'll spread you out at times to times. So like they are diverse in kind of how they attack a defense. But I mean, for me, the biggest thing is, you know, Bill Musgrave is going to have him prepared. He's a guy that's been there, done that for a long time. He's been around the block, NFL, and now college football. So I expect them to be, and they are, in my opinion, they're well-coached. I, I think he does get guys in pretty good position to make plays. It's just like you said, there's some erratic type of work working down the fields. You know, Jack Plummer is not the most consistent working down the field, but they have a lot of talent offensively. I mean, the skill positions I'm speaking about, of course, like they have a couple talented receivers, a talented tight end, a young freshman running back that looks really good in in the limited action that we've seen of him so far. So Cal has some playmakers, man, and they you can't get lulled to sleep against this team because it, it you don't you I didn't really expect as much speed when I first went into the film. And then you just kind of watch and you're like, oh, these yeah. guys can move a little bit, man. Like they're they, they got a little bit more juice than maybe a typical yeah. Cal Cal team does over the last couple of years. Yep. So when you look at let's talk personnel a little bit, Ryan. I think the mm-hmm. part that surprised me the most is there was only one kid on Cal's receiving core that I'd ever heard of coming into this, you know, really breaking them down. And that was yep. J. Michael Sturdivant. He was a four-star kid, highly ranked kid coming out of high school, fast kid, tall, fast kid. We knew about him. I had never heard of Jade Knott before I started breaking Cal down, really kind of coming into the season. I saw his name, never really seen him play. Then you watch him the first two games, and as you said, this is a four-star, you know, top 250 caliber kid that you watch like, okay, this kid can play, but he, they're not alone. It's not just those two guys. Their receiving core as a whole has mm-hmm. some talent. Jeremiah Hunter's a, a, a good-sized kid, 6'2", 205, you know, not, mm-hmm. not the burner that Jay Michael and Jay Knott is but a quality athlete, catches the ball real well, had a great over-the-shoulder catch on the first drive against UNLV. Plummer yep. just dropped it. And now this was like three plays after he just sailed one way past tournament, you know, but dropped it perfectly on Jeremiah Hunter, makes a great catch, veteran guy. Maven Anderson's another kid, redshirt freshman, that can flat-out move. He's not like a – I wouldn't call him a burner, but he's really quick. He's got mm-hmm. some speed. He's an athletic kid. They They haven't found a way to get him going yet. With you know catches, but I've seen him kind of on on some of the all twenty two run. You'll see him running vertical routes where he does get the ball. We're like, okay, that kid can move, right. right? And and so a lot of the stuff they've completed has been quick stuff. But they started taking some shots against UNLV, and that was the thing that surprised me. Is is from an athleticism standpoint, this is a much more athletic group of skill players than what Notre Dame faced last week against Marshall. And and we thought Marshall had some quality skill players. Mm-hmm. This is a much more talented group of players. Than what they had last week from a skill position standpoint. I mean, I mean, no doubt. I mean, I, I like that you started with Sturdivant, even though Hunter is the leading receiver. Like he's a like a good size kid, Hunter speaking. You know, he good speed, not great speed, but it's right. just kind of like an all-around solid Savvy football kid. player. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's a junior, so you anticipate like, okay, he's kind of been there, done that a little bit. But the Sturdivant kid, man, 
again, he's only a sophomore, but I, I watched him on the film. I didn't know anything about him, Brian. Like, obviously, you've been covering recruit, you know, just covering the recruiting side of things for a few years now. And so, like, you were probably more well aware of him before I was, right? So, like, I didn't know who he was. All I know is that he's number seven, right? Like, I'm right. watching seven. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> my guy's got yeah. some giddy up. And then you yeah. go back and look at his track times. He was a 10 3 900 meter guy and a sub 21 200 meter guy. And you're like, oh, yeah, he's 6 3 205 and he can move. So he's only had 10 catches for a little over 100 yards so far. So, like, they haven't been able to capitalize on him down the field yet. Right. And I'm hoping that this isn't the game that they get it going. Yeah, but no he's, he's a really talented football player, man. Like, height, weight, speed kid, only a sophomore couple really nice targets. I mean, not even counting Latu, who's their tight end, who's he plays kind of a part of a two tight end system type of thing. But Latu, I mean, he's 6'6", 230-something pounds, and he's got a huge catch radius, and he can move as well too. Right. So there's there's some athletes on the perimeter, man, that could give Notre Dame some problems that they're going to have to – you know, they're ha- going to have to be right. ready for this one. This isn't one right. where, like, you can just sit back and, and cover three and just, like, kind of lull you to sleep a little bit, man. Like, if these – if you guys aren't ready – these guys can run past you a little bit. So now, Notre Dame's corners are definitely going to get right. tested in this one. And that's the first matchup that kind of you're going to look at. Now, again, it's helped Notre Dame that they've played Ohio State two weeks ago, mm-hmm. right? That helped prepare them. And, and you know, they're not as dynamic as the Ohio State kids. But, like, you know, J. Michael Sertiman, for example, had a Notre Dame offer. He had an LSU offer. He had a Texas A&M offer. He had a Stanford offer. So this is a kid that's, a you know, for all the talk about how you know, Notre Dame, you know, you can't find elite athletes that can get into Notre Dame. Well, this is a kid that got into Cal. For anyone that yep. doesn't know, Cal doesn't just take anybody with a pulse into school. Cal Berkeley's, Cal, Cal Berkeley's pretty school. good. Yeah, it's pretty you good. You know, uh, and, and kid had a Stanford offer, kid had a Notre Dame offer. Just didn't recruit him. You know, that's just the reality of it. So, uh, but he's a, a talented player. I like Maven Anderson. They're from the same class. They're both retro freshmen. Uh, both both kids from the same class. So you look at it and say, man, they have really, Ryan, they have really upgraded their talent level a, a mm-hmm. lot in the last couple of years. So, yeah. you know, now produ- production has not matched the talent yet, similar to what we've seen at Notre Dame, right? The production doesn't match the talent yet, but there's talent. And that's the thing is you've got to play sound football. And, and it, it's almost kind of like it's good for Notre Dame, in this particular matchup that they've looked so bad the first two weeks, because there's no way they can sleep on Cal. No. I would actually be a little bit more worried about this matchup if I if Notre Dame was two and zero after I got sure. into the film because they might sleepwalk through it. Go. And, yeah, we right. we shut down Ohio State and beat Ohio State. You know, we did this to Marshall. We're not going to lose to Cal. They scored twenty points on UNLV, right? <laughs> so I think that they'll at least be up. But schematically, you've got to have some sound stuff. You know, you've got to have some sound. You've got to have a scheme that's going to protect you over the top, but also not let them just nickel and dime you all day because that's what Cal wants to do. Yep. And so when you just look at it from a skill standpoint, it's imperative, Ryan, and this is important. It's imperative that you dominate in the trenches. Yes. Because that's – you know who this team reminds me a lot of? Uh, Virginia without Brennan Armstrong hmm. from last year. And what I mean by that is when you watch Virginia, you're like, man, they've got some skill players. Ontavious Wicks, they had the big tall tight ends, you know, that could run. Ketua Thompson, you had uh, the kid that got drafted this year. Jelani McGee, was that the other kid? Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods. Woods. Okay, so they had some talented players. They had the little short Billy Kemp, the little quick slot guy. Who's been there for seven years. Right, seriously. (laughs) And I would argue Cal reminds me a lot of that, but with a better running back. Mm -hmm. And and Mm -hmm. without Brennan Armstrong. Now, Jack Plummer's got a a very live arm. Very live arm. And if he can get comfortable in the pocket, he will hurt you. 
and and we've seen that. Now, what hurt him last year against Notre Dame is Notre Dame did not get him time to throw when he was at Purdue. And they shut that pass game down because they had harassed him. The reason I say they remind me a lot of Virginia is because if Vir- when Virginia struggled on offense, and it wasn't often, but when they did, like what happened against Notre Dame when they didn't have Brandon Armstrong, is they ate the offensive line up. Yep. And this Cal offensive line is not good. This is where the talent level is really not good. It's um, not at all. The left guard has the best name you could ever have <laughs> for a football player. His yeah. name is Brian Driscoll. He spells his first and last name wrong, which is why he's not very good. If he spelled his name correctly, you know, with a Y and then K-E-L-L, he'd probably be an all Pac-12 player. <laughs> I, I tried to get through the whole thing with a straight face. Uh, <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, he's not. You know, all all Pac-12. So, I mean, he'd be all American, so, if I'm being honest. I mean, I'm just trying I'm trying to, you know, I don't want to get too hyped up on the name. Ryan texted me on, was it Tuesday night? Yes. And and he's like, you know, the left guard at Cal is terrible. Number six, number sixty. Yeah. And yeah. so uh-huh. I was like, okay, I won't pay attention because I hadn't dove into the Cal film yet, and 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 like I'd watched a little bit of film, but I hadn't dove into the personnel yet. And I looked at their depth chart, and I was like, the guy's name is Brian Driscoll. I was like, you're a son of a, you know what I mean? Like, you know what, man? I I, uh, I did I didn't even know what his name <laughs> was. I, I thought Ryan was busting my chops, is. but in reality, you watch the film, you're like, yeah, he's pretty terrible. He's not doing my my name justice. Yeah. Uh, but good. but honestly, that's an issue for them on the offensive line. Their left tackle is really big, but he's very slow-footed. Mm-hmm. The yes. right tackle is very long, but very slow-footed, uh, mm-hmm. really tight-hipped. They are yeah. not an athletic line. They will they will come off and play with some physicality, but mm-hmm. they're just not athletic at all. This is a game that Notre Dame's offensive line, defensive line has to get right. If the Notre Dame defensive line doesn't get right this game – like you said yesterday, air raid sirens are going off in my basement because this is an offensive yeah. line. This is going to be one of the worst offensive lines their name has faced this year. And that's the issue for Cal right now, Ryan. If they had an offensive line that could come anywhere close to the talent they have from a from a skill standpoint, this would be a dangerous team. I'm not saying like win the Pac-12 yet, but with the defense they have, this would be a yeah. very, very dangerous football team in my opinion. I, I want to say something about the offensive line, Brian, and I'm going to make a take, and I want to hear if you agree or disagree with this, okay? So you mentioned the left tackle, Coleman. I think he's a pretty good guard, right? Like, he played guard in 2021. I'm like, cool, good football player. Problem is that now he's 6'4". He's not actually 6'4". He's like 6'3 and something, 230 pounds playing left tackle. It's just yeah. not a good fit for him, right? He's a good guard, yeah. should not be playing tackle. And this definitely left kid, tackle, like yes, left tackle. Oh. Yeah, if, if, if you were a running team and you wanted to stick him at right tackle, like passable, sure, right. why not? Stanford the center, 10 years ago. Yes, yes, exactly. That's a very that's a very good point. Sindrick, the center is a pretty solid football player. But to your point, left guard's not very good, right tackle's not very good, and the right guard is the weirdest player ever because he's a super long kid, but he's has the some of the slowest feet that I've seen this mm-hmm. year. Like He's, he's huge. He's, so yes, three out- levels who you're talking about. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah, the transfer. So three out of five are not very good. Two are good players, but one I think is out of position. I think this is a worse offensive line than Notre Dame saw against Marshall, in my opinion. That's my hot take, I guess. I think this that is this what is now? say that again. Cal has a worse offensive line than what we just saw against Marshall. I think Marshall has a better offensive so. line. Yes. Yeah, significantly so. I mean, See, I thought that was a Marshall, hot take, but no, well, not. I mean, it is a hot take to say that a Pac 12 team has a worse offensive line than a team from the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. But Marshall has put good offensive lines on the field each of the last three years. Yeah. I, I mean, their offensive line coaches does a really good job. 
Really you know, does. their offensive line in 2021 was really good, despite losing one of the best offensive linemen in America, according to Pro Football Focus, who transferred to Notre Dame in all seriousness. All, all American. Um, all American. But if yeah. you watch Kane Madden in 2020, he was really good at that level. Very fundamentally level, sound, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and all that type of stuff. And this, this, that Marshall offensive line, you mentioned Ethan Driscoll. So much more athletic than the two kids that they're putting on the field at Cal. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, a, yes. a tackle. Both of their tackles to me were better than the kids at Marshall, at, at Cal. Now, I think Cal is much more competitive with them at center and right guard mm-hmm. with Mar- with Marshall. But even then, it's, it's, I would say Marshall's better, especially at left yes. guard. And, and I'm not, I can't lie. The left guard's really bad. He is. He just can imagine how bad he'd be if his name wasn't Brian Driscoll. It'd be really bad. It'd be really bad. Uh, but that's what I say. Spells his both of his both. He spells his first and last name wrong, and that's the problem with him. Yeah. Uh, it, also, he's very slow footed and not very talented, and not sure. nearly as powerful as you expect the guy to be at six four three fifteen, in my opinion, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange. So yes. that's you talk about matchups of this game. You've got to hold your water on the outside, but you have to dominate in the trenches. Like this is a game where Al Gold needs to turn his front four and his five man stunt slash pressures loose because if you can if you're aggressive in this game, you will beat Cal. You will beat them because they won't be able to score enough. They won't have time to get the ball out to their 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 players in the perimeter, and that's going to mm-hmm. be a big key in this game. It's it's going to be interesting to watch because again, Brian, like you said it perfectly. All sirens should go off if Notre Dame's defensive line does not come to play against this team, right? Like it's, it would be a travesty if if Notre Dame left this game with like fr- fractional pressures and no sacks or some crazy number. Like you have to dominate this offensive line. You have to. There's no excuses. There's absolutely zero excuses. Because to your point, Notre Dame secondaries play pretty well, but Cal has enough athletes that. They can hurt you a little bit if they're able to get some open space and get opportunities, right? Like they have those type good athletes in that regard, but Notre Dame has to dominate the line of scrimmage. They have to because that is their biggest advantage on paper. Now, they've had other big advantages over the last couple of weeks on paper as well that Notre Dame did not take advantage of, right? So they, they need to do it. Like at the yeah. end of the day, Notre Dame is a more talented football team defensive line-wise compared to the Cows offensive line. That's their biggest advantage, I think, on paper on either side of the ball. But they have to do it. it we haven't seen it yet, so need to see it in this game. I think the thing for me is if they can dominate up front, then I think we're going to start seeing um, – we'll start seeing sort of the turnover thing, the disruption thing, mm-hmm. the pass breakup thing. A lot of that's the, dependent on the pass rush. Mm-hmm. There's a comment that Al Gold made yesterday in the in the press conference uh, that kind of bothered me uh, two days ago actually, where he talked yeah. about and you know, he feels like they're getting good pressure, and I was like, yeah, no, you're not, you know. You're and not. he was like, yeah, we've had some good pressures, and I'm like, yeah, I don't see that. Like, I hope that's how he defines his pressure because good pass rush in the NFL is going to look different than a good pass rush in college football. I mean, yes. a good pass rush in college football should be overwhelming. And it's hard to do mm-hmm. that consistently in the NFL. In the NFL, it's about key pressures, right? Yes. In my opinion. And so I th- that's one of the concerns you have about an NFL guy is does he does he view success the same way? You know, look, stopping out Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes is 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 going to be a different bar than stopping Jack Plummer and Henry Columbia. You know what I mean? And so that's a concern I have. Now it could just be that he doesn't want to say, doesn't want to throw his players in the bus and doesn't, you know what I mean? That could be it too. Al Gold's been yeah. doing this a long time. He's a savvy guy, very sure. media savvy guy, in my opinion. 
So it could just be that, but I hope he doesn't actually believe that because they, they, they are, they're, they were, they've not been a consistent, good pass rushing team. You know, it just, they just have not. No. So Ryan, you look at the matchup up front and, and they need to win on the edges, especially. I think the guy that I have my eye on more than anybody this weekend is Isaiah Foskey. Yep. This is a game built for Isaiah Foskey to dominate. If he doesn't dominate this Saturday, you've got to really start asking, okay, what is Al Washington coaching right now that's causing these kids not to be successful? Jason Adamulo is going up against a really couple massive, very slow-footed guards. If he doesn't have a big game Saturday, you got to say, okay, how did two guys that were dominant players last year to varying degrees just completely lose their ability to dominate? You have mm-hmm. to ask yourself. You have to ask yourself, what's Al Golden asking to do? And what is Al Washington teaching? Because this is a game that this is a get right game for the Notre Dame defensive line. Secondary, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a test. This is a good group of skill players. Up front, different story. This has to be a get right game for the defensive line. And if they don't get right this game, Ryan, this is a problem because they won't face an offensive line this bad until maybe UNLV. And then after that, I don't know if there is one as bad as this group, in my opinion. Well, Boston College. That, oh man, <laughs> I just I I right. I Let didn't, me rephrase. I, I didn't even see that Boston College Virginia Tech game. I didn't even see the score of it yeah. after last week. But I was on TV earlier while I was working, and I'm just like, wow, man, Boston College's offensive line is terrible. Like it's, it's awful. Really I didn't really see it in the first game. I didn't really watch that game too much, other than like a couple clips. But like, yeah, it's very bad. To your point, but I mean, another thing too, Brian is we've talked about the linebackers kind of processing a little slow. I need them to kind of fly around a little bit this week, right? Yes. So the big thing is, like, I need the defensive line to have some easy penetration to give linebackers opportunities. And you need to hit this op kid before he starts getting going, man, because he's a nice, nice athlete. And there, I think there's going to be times, like you saw it, I forget if it was the UNLV game or if it was the UC Davis game, but early on in that game, they got Ott just kind of on a wheel route out of the backfield. And for a second, I was like, oh, who's that wide receiver? Because he's that type of athlete, in my opinion. Like, he's a really smooth mover from the running back position. So the linebackers are going to be challenged with stopping this Ott kid mm-hmm. just in general for being an athlete. But then also he can be used in the passing game. He's got some He's got some giddy up to him as an athlete. So yeah. I think the second level is also important. Outside, you know, On top of the secondary in general matching some of the athleticism, but the – Linebackers think are going to be tested by a really good athlete in the backfield as well. It's it's interesting, Brian, because I think like for a couple years, you remember when Cal had Marshawn Lynch and then Justin Forsett and then Javid Best. Like they had some good athletes at, at running back for a little bit there, but over the last probably like five to seven years, they've just kind of had the same guy, right? Like he's just kind of like a plugger, like a bigger back. This odd kid's different than what they've had over the last few years. So yeah. linebackers will be challenged in this one as well. Yeah, no no question about that. So. We're going to see, I think, the corners, too. I'm really curious to see the young corners in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. Cal's going to run double moves. I guarantee you they're going to run double moves in this game because of how aggressive the the, the young Notre Dame corners are. If I'm a team and I see Benjamin Morrison and Jade Mickey in a game, I'm thinking these are these are the very athletic kids, but aggressive kids, especially Mickey. And, I'm, yeah. I mean, uh, Mickey's been beat twice for touchdowns so far this year on set double moves which is one of the concerns that we've had about him coming in mm-hmm. concerns, meaning early on he falls for those because he's so aggressive. Now he's seen it and you hope that he kind of learns from it and is able to play with a little bit more patience because the thing with Jade Mickey is he's talented enough where he can play with patience. He doesn't have to jump moves. You know, he's, he is an athletic enough kid where he can make sure the ball's coming, then declare, then fly on the football. 
So, right. but until he proves it, I'm going to test him on it if I'm another team. So, you know, 100%. they're going to test him on a double move and they have the speed to do damage with double moves. And I would say the same thing with Benjamin uh, Morrison. You know, again, young corners are a little bit more susceptible to that stuff. Benjamin's not quite as bad at it, but, you know, he got kind of stemmed up and beat inside on the slant last week that allowed a guy to go for 19 yards because Benjamin overplayed the outside release. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Push a guy hard outside and then beat him inside. Works and gets you open. Who, who knew? Who knew? Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I had to. Uh, still frustrated by that stuff. So anyway, the the point is there are some things that they got to be ready for on the perimeter. Yep. The linebackers against a six six tight end has me a little bit concerned on some of the the, the seam stuff and the wheel stuff that they'll do with that tight end. Mm-hmm. And then of course the linebackers in space against Jade Not. You know, because like yes. so when we saw they saw him do it last week against UNLV, he ran a wheel route, just dropped it over on him, dimed it, and the kid yep. made a play. So this is a kid that can hurt you inside and outside. And mm-hmm. so. You know, those are things that, that they're going to do. So that they're going to be tested with the, on the skill level this week, no question about it. And you just hope that the the protection is is such that Plummer doesn't have time to accurately throw the ball down the field or uh, to get into any kind of rhythm. Because if he can, if he can get into a rhythm early and he's not getting pressured, Cal will score. They'll hit yes. some big plays. I, I guarantee it. They'll hit some big plays. Yeah, I mean, you need to affect Plummer. You have to. That is absolutely the key in this game because he's not a very – he's erratic when he's working down the field. Like, he has a strong arm, but, like, the downfield accuracy is just not great for whatever reason, right? And to even help your cause, let's cause more pressure, right, if you're Notre Dame. You cause more pressure, the erratic nature should continue when you're talking about Jake Plummer, but – Jake Plummer, Jack Plummer. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's going to be an interesting – I imagine, Brian, and this is just speculation on my part, I imagine that they're going to try to get Jay Knotts isolated on a linebacker pretty early in this game for in, in the passing game. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I imagine that'll come. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some type of hitch and go or a sluggo to one of the receivers if they're able to kind of get it blocked up pretty early in this game. Like it, it's, it's something where I, I think that – and I'm not saying that this is the case – I think that there was a, there was an assumption when I went to watch the film that like oh I don't think Cal has many playmakers like I haven't heard any of these guys right so there might be a situation where maybe Notre Dame is going to come out and be aggressive with these guys and when you're mm-hmm. aggressive there's there's a lower margin for error when you're facing against a kid like a event that has a ten three nine hundred meter type right. of athlete right so he will get a step on you and pull away yeah right. so I I think that. Cal is going to feel okay about isolating their athletes and giving them opportunities in space. So to counteract that, you have to be sound, obviously, from a coverage perspective. But the biggest thing, going back to your original point, is you got to affect Jack Plummer, man. Like you, you got to. You have to make him. You have to make his process speed up quickly. It's mm-hmm. similar to last week. He's a much more talented quarterback than Henry Columbia is. But you wanted to. You wanted to speed Henry Columbia's game up a little bit. You weren't able to do it. This week mm-hmm. is the same story, though. You want to speed Jack Plummer up because even if it doesn't lead to interceptions or turnovers, it'll lead to him being erratic at times, right? So mm-hmm. they need to be able to get after Jack Plummer this week. Ryan, let's go to the other side of the ball and talk about the Cal defense because this is actually the strong side of their team, in my opinion. What's interesting is I don't think the skill personnel on their defense is nearly as dynamic as their skill on offense, but it's a much more experienced group. It's a, obviously a more veteran group and a group that has some talent. I mean, there's some kids, there's some kids on this team that are that are good athletes and good players, but it's more so what makes them good on defense, Ryan, is is not so much their athleticism, mm-hmm. although they have some they have some kids that I think could be pros in the future to some varying degree. 
Sure. It's just about this is a really fundamentally sound, a very well-coached, well-schemed, smart, and confident group of players when you yes. look at them. So just structurally, Ryan, let's take people through this. They list themselves as a 3-4 team for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, yep. Their 3-4 doesn't look like a traditional 3-4 in my opinion. They don't often have their fourth outside linebacker in the game, although we may see that more against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So like against UNLV, they started in their nickel package, and when they go to their nickel package, one of their outside linebackers is a, is basically like a viper, essentially. You know, he's a stand-up defensive end, basically, and so it looks a lot like a four-two-five in a from it with a a nickel personnel, a true four-two-five personnel. They'll mix up their fronts. They'll show you a lot of different looks. They'll show press and then bail. They'll stay off and then squat. Um, so schematically, they're going to show you some stuff, but they're not a super duper complex tricky defense it's about we're gonna we're gonna play sound football we're gonna we're not gonna get leveraged we're we're gonna we're we're gonna our kids are gonna know exactly what they're gonna do and when the ball snapped we're gonna fly to the football and and it allows them to be effective it allows them to play in my opinion play beyond their talent level having said that their talent isn't bad this isn't a bunch of bums running out there they're just really well coached it's just that they're not like they're not the elite dynamic you know, mm-hmm. players that, that you think they're like, there's, there's no Cam Jordan on this defensive line, right? No. A former Cal great that, that's in the NFL now. There's no guys like that, but there are some quality football players and, and yes. they have good size up front too. And that's mm-hmm. a big concern for me because Notre Dame's offensive line got pushed around by Marshall last week. And this, this Cal defensive line is going to bring a lot more beef to the table. They're, they're two interior guys are 305 and 335. Their ends are 285 pardon me in 260 mm-hmm. so this is going to be a big front and they're there i mean jackson sermon is 6'2 240 and he's their smallest inside linebacker <laughs> right, right you know and and so this is a big physical group going up against an offensive line that has had trouble with m- mediocre physicality so far and that's yeah. a very troubling matchup very troubling matchup for me and I look forward to seeing if they do play a little more base this week because I don't know if Notre Dame is going to come out and they're going to run their, you know, they ran a lot of 12 personnel last week. Like, I don't know if they're going to come in and do that type of thing and try to establish a run game and do all like, I don't know what the philosophy is. I, I know. I agree. I agree. Let's, let's spread it out. And let's get the run game going that way. I, we're hundred percent on the same page. I just, I don't know exactly what to expect if I'm Notre Dame. Like, I, I don't know what Notre Dame is going to come out and try to do. That being said, they have played a lot more four down because if, you, if you're familiar with UNLV and UC Davis, for that matter, they are spreaded out teams, right? Like they are four wide, like we're, we're, we're playing 10 personnel a ton. Like they're not, they're not trying to run the football a ton if you're UC Davis and you're UNLV because you just mm-hmm. know you're not very good at it. Your offensive right. line is not that great. So And you're outsized. I mean, yes. You know you oh, you're hundred percent outsized. I mean, UC Davis was a very small. The, their left tackle actually had a pretty good block in in the game against Cal, and I was like, oh, who's who's he? And then he was six three two eighty, and I was yeah. like, oh, playing left tackle. Like, all right, cool. Um, but anyway, so I, I I think that for me, it's really going to Notre Dame needs to run the football, and it worries me a little bit because, like you said, Brian, they're massive up front, man. The Correa kid, the number ninety one, the nose tackle. He's listed at 6'4", 330, 335. He is he looks like he's a lot bigger than 335 to me, man. He is a mm-hmm. gigantic, gigantic kid. Like he's that Vita Vea style nose. Not calling him Vita Vea because Vita Vea was an absolute mm-hmm. freak, but he's that type of dude on the interior, right? Like he's just a massive kid who's 
not going to get moved too much. And then to your point, it's like they have they have a few defensive end, like outside linebacker types that they kind of rotate into the football game mm-hmm. that are all pretty big kids, man, like 260, yeah. 270, 280. They got a few yep. of those kids. Bra- and right? they're long. So, Braxton Cruteau yeah. is 6'5", 245. We've talked about yep. Xavier Carlton, a kid that Notre Dame offered a scholarship to. Uh, coming out of high school, 6'6", 270. Big uh, kid, yeah. Yeah, athletic kid for his size. I mean, they're small guys, Miles Jernigan, who plays a decent amount, and he's 6'3", 245 as far as their rotation guys. So yep. they're going to bring some size to the table. So if Notre Dame's like, hey, we're just going to go 12 personnel and all of a sudden look like the 2017 offense, that's just I – don't, I, don't, I don't even know what to say at that point in time if that happens. So, right. I mean, what we've been saying they need to do, and, and we talked mm-hmm. about this this week, part of it was looking forward to Cal. Part of the reason we talked about Notre Dame limiting the 12 personnel is because we're looking ahead to this game and saying this, the 11 personnel is going to have to be where you're at. And there's the other reason that I wrote and I've advocated so hard for Tobias Merriweather being a factor in this game. He has to play in this game, not 10 snaps. He needs to start. In my opinion, part of it is looking at this matchup. You've got a bunch of tiny corners that play Mm -hmm. small, right? And Cal knows it. And yep. the only answer that Cal has is they will go cover two or they will play sort of a, cu- a quarters to a side where mm-hmm. they'll take a safety and help out over the top. If you can get their safeties out of the box, not only does it make your run game better, it then makes your perimeter pass game better. Because yes. the thing that where Cal's vulnerable is they're vulnerable to one outside one-on-ones with big receivers. Notre Dame only has mm-hmm. really one of those right now. And that's, that's, that's healthy. And that's Tobias Merriweather. Now yep. there's some things you can do with, in my opinion, where if you can if you can somehow use Michael Mayer as an outside guy to manipulate Cal to maybe go corners over, right? Yeah. Then there's some things you can do where if they're going to put a safety out on Michael Mayer or a linebacker on Michael Mayer, that's a win for you. I'll, I'll take the matchup either way. Yep. Exactly, because you've now <laughs> yep. got a guy out of the box, a bigger uh-huh. guy out of the box, a safety out of the box, can't help over the top. And now you have some stuff where, you know, let's say you're able to get like Lorenzo Styles matched up in the slot against one of their corners or their nickel. He's got three mm-hmm. inches on those kids. Now, sure all of a sudden, is. you've got some size advantages there. They're not real. They're not fast kids at corner. They could. They're they're mm-hmm. athletic, but they're not really fast, in my opinion. At least they don't mm-hmm. play fast. So there's some things that you can do schematically on the perimeter that you can mm-hmm. hurt Cal, and 100%. and and it, and it's going to require getting some of that size involved. You know, for the love of all things holy. Please run Michael Mayer on a route past 10 yards. For the love of yes. God, run him on a seam route where he's actually an option to get the football. Because those are things you can do to not only to get in matchups that you like, their linebackers are going to have a harder time running with Mayer. They're meant to be run stoppers, not seam guys all game, right? Although they're, they're, they're the, the kid beside Mayer runs pretty well for his size. It's still a matchup that Mayer should win. There's if if mm-hmm. their safeties are having to cover Michael Mayer vertically, then they're not helping outside on your other receivers. If yep. they're not doing that this week, Ryan, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to absolutely lose it in this game. Well, where, where, where is to to continue this conversation of where Notre Dame has the advantage? Because I, I wanted to talk about you know just the fact that. Cal has bigger defensive linemen. They have good linebackers. So running the football might not be the key advantage for Notre Dame, right? Like they have to get the run game going, but They're I don't have go to use the pass game to set up the run big time. 100%. Big time. 100%. To your points, right? Michael Mayer into the boundary in this game might be interesting, right? Maybe a three yes. by one set and you get him out there because their corners aren't bad football players, but they're small. 
to your point, yeah, they're right? good like, football players. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The Hearns kid, number 15, is a good, solid starting caliber player in the Pac-12. Like good football player. He's 5'10, 170 pounds, and he's pretty much their biggest guy. <laughs> like they don't have yeah. size. The, no, the number 41 kid's a really smart, heady player, but yes. he's small. 100%. Colin Gamble's a quality, fundamentally sound nickel. He'll play some outside, but he's their nickel. He's a good football player, but he's yep. 5'10. Yes. Right. Yep. And, and and that's they have a lot of nickel types. That's what they exactly. have at corner. They have a lot of nickel exactly. types, which they, is fine. Yes. There's nothing right. wrong with that, but you have the advantage there. The other push I think you have the advantage is for as good as Jackson Sermon is as a linebacker, a run stopper, and as good as number 10 is, I forget his last name, the other inside linebacker who's 6'3, 255. Yeah, he's a big I'm kid. Even, I'm not even trying to pronounce his last yes, name. Yes. I didn't want to either. That's kind of why I left yeah. it out there. But they are really. Oh, Oladijo is my best shot at it. Uh, his first go. name is the one I'm not trying to pronounce. <laughs> well, there we go. So I'll leave Brian for the pronunciations. But yeah. they're good linebackers, Brian, but they're not pass coverage kids, right? right? So I think they're that run stoppers. they're going to leave Daniel Scott in the middle of the field a ton. They're going to play too high a bit. But I think that, to your point, you have some seam opportunities in this game. You do. Yeah. You have the opportunity to get past the linebackers in front of the safeties, maybe hit a couple hole shots against cover two. Like, you have those opportunities, I think, this week. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to throw the football against Cal. It's just you need to kind of take advantage of where your matchups are are good. Like you have right. some advantages in a lot of spots, but again, need to see it, man. I need to see right. it. Like you're gonna you're gonna have an, a size advantage no matter who. Like I would love to see Tobias Merriweather out there, six four versus five ten. Like that's awesome, right? But regardless of even if it's just just even if it's Lorenzo Styles or whoever, they're still gonna have a size advantage, right? So you're gonna have the size advantage outside. And the linebackers are not great pass coverage players, so you can get in that back back of the linebackers in front of the safeties, like that mid-hole type of area of the field. So those are the advantages that I think. So Notre Dame should be able to throw the ball in this game. We'll see if it comes to fruition. I think another thing about the mayor, using mayor in the boundary aspect too, Ryan, is it almost it forces you to make a decision as a defense. How are you going to defend that? Are you going to roll down to cover one and put – your safety on mayor. Are you going to bump a corner out? I think a, the first move from what I would think they would do structurally is, mm-hmm. is play two into the boundary, cover two into the boundary. Cause what yeah. that allowed them to do is kind of use their little tiny corners to kind of reroute mayor. And then the safety protects over the top. That's fine. Because what that does is that now puts two guys to defend one player to the boundary, the short side of the field, which now mm-hmm. leaves you in a lot better situations to the field for your screen game, your quick game, your perimeter shots, things like that. And and again, it also helps the run game because it's not like Mayer has been bringing a ton of value in the run game right now. Honestly, what I would do is I do some 21 personnel stuff, Ryan, where, you know, because what I what you could do 21 personnel is you could still do your things with Michael Mayer in the boundary. But now what I would do is I'd have Audrey Estime as part of that. And you can you could kind of motion estimate and have him kind of work up to the next level on a on an outside zone where he's trying to get there. Or you could have him backside seal I mean, just getting somebody's way on a outside zone or an inside zone kind of concept out of your 21 personnel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, just have him step underneath and, and run that read out there to to, uh, to to Chris Tyree. or you know. And then what you can do from that is, is you can get creative with it and run some stuff where you're bootlegging off of that, where it looks like SMA is going to run a little edge play, and then you release him into the flats, and now you've got Michael Mayer as a leap blocker for him on a little slide route, or you can do things like that. So I would that's where I would go with some of that stuff. Instead of going 12 personnel, 
Use Audric mm-hmm. Estime's size, and and what's one guy that's been willing to step up and hit so far this year on offense? It's been Audric Estime. Yep. I mean, that kid is not afraid of contact. He can't possibly block worse than what your number two tight ends have done so far. He can't, yeah. right? So at least this way you have someone who can use some other areas where you can then have him be your lead back and put Chris Tyree in, in your trips look with Mayer to the boundary. Right, run some bubbles, run some stuff like that. There's things you can do. You can motion Chris Tyree, have him on a little quick slide route. Things you can do to get to the perimeter, but still have the ability to have a hammer if you need it. And so that's yeah. like 11 personnel with with Audric Estime or 21 personnel with Estime as your lead back and Tyree out in the slide. Again, I'm not a proponent of Tyree being a a, a slot receiver, mm-hmm. but there's things you can do with him. I'd go wide trips. This is what I would, honestly I'd go Mayer in the boundary wide trips and I'm running an RPO inside zone RPO with Michael with with Audric Estime. And if they oh. don't want to if they don't want to widen out, then I'm pulling it and I'm throwing the screen to, to Chris Tyree. And he's just doing the now screen. He's got Styles and and uh and and Lindsay or Styles and Jaden Thomas blocking for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they do vacate the box, then I'm running my inside read zone stuff with with uh Audric Estime. I mean yep. there you go. You know, I mean, and you can even do some overload stuff where you put two of those guys on the line and then you can then bring Mayer across. I mean, there's things you can do for your run game where you get some numbers and some leverage. And then you could do that and run a little slide concept, the slide screen to Mayer where you're actually getting him out. I mean, there's so much you can do if you're willing to be creative and you're not running a million different plays. You're running your base offense, but you're doing it out of looks that I think Cal does not want to be spread out, in my opinion. They don't want to be spread out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. I mean, that's why, even though the first two games, they're, they're not playing a ton of 3-4 four, just because they're getting spread out a little bit. But that's why they're a 3-4 base team, right, Brian? Like, they they don't want it. They want to shut down the middle of the field and take advantage of their strengths. That's why you have a massive nose guard. That's why you have two hulking inside linebackers. And I think Notre Dame has the opportunity to hit the edges on this team, right? Like, they, this is a huge Chris Tyree game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It should be. This is a huge – I could see a heavy dose of – outside zone or just getting them on the perimeter because what do they have? They have huge defensive linemen, but it's not like they're the most fleet of foot players. Like you don't want them kind of working to the perimeter a ton. The inside linebackers are tackle. They're tackle to tackle type of players. Like you don't want them working outside too much either. I mean, this is a game where I think you can take advantage get on the edge, man. You have a clear speed advantage. Like there's no doubt in my mind in that regard. So I think this is a jet sweep game. I think this is an outside zone game. This is a game where you have to understand that Cal builds its de- builds its defense to stop interior runs, to stop inside runs. That doesn't mean that you don't do it. My point of the matter is, though, where they're most vulnerable yeah. is to outside stretch stuff. Like they, I think right. that you can take advantage of them. I think you can in that regard. Normally, the Notre Dame ground game is built inside out, right? Yes. That's how normally it is structured. What we're saying is in this particular game against this opponent – if you're mm-hmm. going to play inside out, you're playing right into their hands. If you're going to run mm-hmm. the game plans you've run the first two weeks, you're running, you're playing right into what Cal wants you to do. And in 2017, I wouldn't have cared. 
Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what you're built to do. That's what NC State was built to do. And you know what? Notre Dame said, I don't care. We're still going to run it down your freaking throat for over 300 yards. Right? That's what BC's defense was built to stop in 2017. And Notre Dame said, we don't care. We are better than you. And they went for five bills. This is not the 2017 football team. Right? You you barely got to 100 yards against Cal. And you got there with quarterback runs on the perimeter and a reverse. Right? Mm-hmm. You didn't have 100 rushing yards in that game on – runs that the offensive line had anything to do with the success of it. None. I mean, you didn't get close to 100 yards. You couldn't convert a third and two and a fourth and one on back-to-back plays against Marshall. Yeah. So there's going to be a temptation by by Tommy Reese and Harry Heastan to say, no, 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 we're going to force the issue, and this is a pride game. Bump all that. This is about sure. getting a W. This mm-hmm. is a game where you kind of got to reverse engineer your offense a little bit, Ryan. You've got to start outside 100%. in. And that's outside with the run game and the pass game. Now, again, that does not mean you vacate the inside zone stuff and the inside runs. It means you've got to be smart about how you do it. Again, you can go 21 personnel, get Chris. Here's the thing. Here's what Notre Dame should do. This is an easy concept is utilize your three by one look with mayor into the boundary in this game, because out of 21 personnel, because you can do things where you can use estimate as a blocker, but there's also things you can do where you go sort of a, a trips to the right you put your two receivers, Styles and Lindsey, Styles and Thomas, you know, who to Merriweather and whoever, put them on the line of scrimmage, have Mayer and Tyree both off. Tyree's mm-hmm. your number three guy, or he's stacked. Mayer's off the ball. Now you can move Mayer around and have him be a blocker. But if they want, if they recognize that and they want to condense the box, again, that's fine. You've got your RP, your entire RPO game, you know, your screen game on the perimeter to Chris Tyree. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's the thing about it is, is you give them some different looks like that. And it's not what you're doing as your base offense. But again, it's just one of the wrinkles that you can throw at them that puts Cal in some situations where they're not comfortable. So even at the 21, you're still able to get your tight end moving and, and, and involved in some blocks as well. So but it's all built on stuff that's going to spread them out formationally. And if they don't yes. want to spread out formationally, then you have to attack the perimeter with a, a little bit more of a. Uh, diverse RPO game than you've mm-hmm. had in the past. And you can't keep trotting out 12 personnel and Jaden Thomas as much as you did. They can't play as much as they did last week because you're putting your slower players on the field. And again, that plays right into Cal's hands. It's not the Cal slow. It's just no. Cal is built to play. Cal wants you to play a smash mouth football game. They 100%. want you to go 12 personnel. They want you to try and run the football at them. That's what they build to do. Mm-hmm. And Justin Wilcox is an outstanding defensive mind. Peter Sermon's a good defensive coordinator. His son is your middle linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to know that defense more than their middle linebacker, right? Who was a good player at Washington last year. You know, had 90-some tackles at Washington last year. I had him on my preseason all-Pac-12 team. I had Daniel Scott, the linebacker, the safety there. They want to get him in the box. They want to get him downhill attacking the run game and the screen game, right, Ryan? And so mm-hmm. when you have success with some of the stuff we've talked about, the RPO and screen game, what does that then set up? Wheel, double moves, mm-hmm. seams, stuff yep. that, you you know, that's where it's got to be, right? That's where it's got to be. That's the only way you can really beat – unless this offensive line just be, does like has like a personality transfusion in, in seven days, right? Then I don't see how you can think you're going to go out with a similar game plan to what you had against them this week. I just don't see how you can do it. This is a game again, Brian, where I would be outside zoning, jet sweeping, sliding, just 
anything to get to the perimeter, man. Like this is and the game, sl- right? And like, to even on the inside runs, right? You're slowing down the eyes of the inside linebackers. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm trying to get those eyes moving all over the place yep. on the second level. Hundred percent. There's gonna be a lot of eye candy in this game. Like there's gonna be a lot of cross action. Like the yes, I'm. It's it's is the game that that happens, right? And it's not because I don't think that Notre Dame can run the ball in the middle. It's just that this defense is dictated upon stopping the inside run. So, like, hey, let's play into them early on. Let's get them uncomfortable, get them outside their structure a little bit, and then we'll probably see more four down than three down early on, right? And you'll get out of your base defense. And as you do that, then you can start to establish a downhill running game with an Audric Estime or Logan Diggs if he's healthy and all that good stuff, right? So it's about making the defense uncomfortable. If you keep them comfortable, we're a good defense, man. Like, that's the thing about them, right? They're not a great athletic team. They're a, they have some good athletes on their on their defense, but they're really well coached. The way to beat that type of team is to get them out of their minds, right? Like, to get them out of their structure. Because they want to be structured because they win because their technique is good, their gap sounds. As you stretch them, that's when you start making them feel uncomfortable. Make this team feel uncomfortable. Don't let Jackson Sermon live between the tackles. Don't make right. it happen. Don't let number 10 live between the tackles. Don't let Correa, the nose tackle, just play straight down the, the Z Corral and be able to establish, the, uh, put pitch a tent in a gap and in both a gaps. Like don't allow that to happen. Allow the way that you do that is you get them outside a little bit, right? right. You make them play in pursuits. You play, you get the, you get the ball to the perimeter where you have a huge advantage from a talent perspective. That's how you defeat this team. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, will we see that, that we don't know. That we don't know, but I'll say this about this game, and we'll we'll get into a little bit more of this tomorrow. If Notre Dame wins this game convincingly, like mm-hmm. the goal here's they have one goal: win by at least a point. I mean, literally, that's all I care about at this point in time. However, if you can come out of this game and win convincingly, this is the kind of game you look at and say, "Around okay, they are starting to turn the corner," because mm-hmm. this is a this is a quality football team with more talent than they've had. This is Cal's most talented team, I would argue, in at least five years. Just top to bottom on their roster. Now, some of it's young and, you know, and things like that. But this is a – like even the def- on defense where I don't see any future first-round picks. I don't even know if there's any day two picks right now, at least from what we've seen. But there's just a lot of quality football players, a lot of good quality college football players in their list, on their, on their, their depth chart. And, you know – this didn't start like we're not if they were just two and oh and we were talking about them being two and oh because they beat UC Davis by 21 and, and UNLV by six. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, all right, come on, man. You know what I mean? Like, but it's it's also going back to last year, you know, and, and the way that they finished the game last year, you're seeing a lot of that carryover. You know, when you talk about in their six game in their final six games in which they went four and two, you know, they gave up three points to Colorado, they held Arizona to 10 points and a loss. They gave up only 11 points to Stanford. They only gave up 14 points uh, to to USC. Now, it wasn't perfect because they gave up 42 points uh, to uh, to, uh, UCLA last year, and they did give up 25 points in a win over over Oregon, but Oregon got eight of those points late in the game in a two-point conversion late in the game. Oregon scored in the fourth quarter, make it 30. It was 31-17. Uh, they scored a mm-hmm. touchdown late in the game to make it 31-21. Uh, went for two and got it, and then Cal yep. kind of put the game away. But they made a bunch of stops. That that last touchdown came with 11-23 left in the game, and Oregon State couldn't get in the, in the end zone again. And yep. and so 
you look at it right and say this is a team that that and, and Oregon State was a, in my opinion, a pretty decent offense last year. And here's the thing: Oregon State could really run the football last year. I mean, they could really run the football last year. And I believe they were second in the in the Pac-12 in, in rushing. I'm actually going to go look that up right now. I believe they were second in rushing last year or second or third because UCLA led the league. They were third, right behind U- Utah actually led the, the offense. But here's the thing. Wow. Utah was at 217. UCLA was at 215. Oregon State was at 212. Okay, so Oregon close. State could run the football. And, yep. and Cal held them to 134 yards rushing last year. So, you know, this is a team yeah. that, in my opinion, can, can – you know, slow down your ground attack. And, you know, they, they struggled against UCLA in that regard, but, you know, bounced back and, and had other, a lot of other good performances. So, you know, when I, when I look at this team, Ryan, this is a team defensively that just, it, it's not often that they give up a lot of bad plays. And even, even the UCLA game yeah. uh, where, where they gave up a lot of points, they lost 42 to 14. If you look at that game, Ryan, a lot of the stats don't match that outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of stats, you just look at it and you, and here's why UCLA had a 40 yard touchdown drive. Uh, UCLA had a, uh, you know, which set up a touchdown UCLA scored. I'm looking at it now. They scored 25 of their points in the second half. And by that point in time, Cal was just wearing down because their offense just kept putting them. They were just on the field the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, so you look at it and, you know, Cal's Cal had 217 yards of total offense that game. Went four of thirteen on on third down and two of five on fourth down. You know they they wore down. You know UCLA ran the ball forty four times in that game, and it was late in the year, so it it, it wasn't a typical Cal performance. And here's the deal: uh-huh. Notre Dame doesn't run the ball like UCLA did last year, which is sure like makes me want to hurl saying that. But UCLA had a really good running attack last year, and Notre Dame's run game right now is mediocre. Is probably being a little nice. Right now, well, well Brian, uh, but back to the recipe for success offensively, what does Chip Kelly do about as well as anyone? He understands how to get to the edges, man. Mm-hmm. Like he's been a, a – I mean, he plays – And he to works, mess with your eyes. He's yes. really good at messing oh, with your man. eyes. He manipulates second-level defenders about his – I mean, him. he's up there with like Steve Sarkeesian about it, as well as any guy – Lane Kiffin as well, as guys that just manipulate the second-level defenders so much. But the recipe for success without even watching that UCLA game, I'm going to guess that there were some jet sweeps in that game. I'm going to guess there was some outside zone because they know. I mean, I think most people understand that just like no well, they're, football they're in a general sense. quarterback ran for 102 yards, right? Oh, that helps. That um, helps. <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps. It definitely helps. Uh, one of their wide receivers, Kazmir Allen, had three carries for 50, 56 yards, including a 33-yard run. You know what that came on. So, yes, yep. without watching it, you nailed exactly what they did. Yes. 102 yards from their quarterback. Some of those are on scrambles. And then they mm-hmm. had the jet sweep. To, to Allen. So, I mean, yes, you're yeah. absolutely right. That's what they did. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that Zach Charbonnet wasn't just pounding the rock in between the tackles all game. And they were just yeah. running down their throats. Like that's yeah. not how Cal is going to lose. It's not how they're going to lose. Well, and he had 22 carries, 106 yards, but if you're going to run it down them, then you're using that to set up yes. stuff on the perimeter. That's my 100%. point. 100%. And, and that's the recipe to, to having success. And then you've got to have some athletes and UCLA had some decent athletes last year. Now you're not going to have a, Hundred probably not going to. I hope they don't have a hundred yard rusher quarterback this weekend because that means Drew Pine's probably scrambling for his life. Uh, because I can't, I can't fathom Cal being a, a undisciplined enough to allow him to have a hundred rushing yards as part of Notre Dame's designed offense. You know what I mean? There's so, there's a slight difference between him and Dorian Thompson Robinson. They're, yes, not, they're not exactly the same. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it's just one of those things, Ryan, where 
I mean, again, you know what the recipe is. It's just, can you execute it? And that's that's going to be the big question for me. That's going to be the big mm-hmm. question because I'm looking at the past game stats for Dorian uh, Thompson-Robinson against Cal last year. He was mm-hmm. one of four on deep balls. It was a 29-yard touchdown pass. He went four of five for only 48 yards from 11 to 19. Where okay. Cal did their damage, where UCLA did their damage in the past game, and it wasn't a ton because he didn't throw for a ton of yards in this game. It was perimeter stuff, you know. It was getting to the perimeter, you know. It was, I mean, those are the things that you've got to do, and it was getting to the perimeter on in the run game. You mm-hmm. know, th- those are the things that they were doing in that game that that got them, you know, got them success. And so that's where that's where Notre Dame is going to have to be. You know, yep. that's what they're going to have to be. So I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of these numbers now, uh, and and uh, you know from that game, and yeah, I mean it's just. I'm looking at looking at uh, towards, uh, the running back, and, and you talk like you talked about. It's he was doing stuff up the middle, but it was like mm-hmm. three point nine yards a carry. And yep. but he got he was doing he had a, a nine yard carry to the outside, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but a lot of the stuff they were doing is they were using him to then set up opportunities to, you know, get your quarterback outside to get your other stuff outside. And that's the thing is, and that's what we we're talking about earlier. You know, when you look at at um, uh, the the receiver, you know, doing different like things. Like that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're doing other things to kind of get guys outside. You had another guy uh, that for them that had you know two outside runs for uh, for 14 yards. You know, th- mm-hmm. those are things that you were doing. Another receiver, Ethan Fernia, who's now with the Colts, I believe. He had two carries for 14 yards, both outside runs. Right, mm-hmm. and so that's where a lot of your stuff can't. You had 70 yards from your receivers in that game. That's crazy. What are those on? Right? Those are the jet sweeps, bubbles, you mm-hmm. know, that maybe go behind the line of scrimmage, reverses, things like that. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Well, and and if I was Tommy Reese, that would be one of the games I'm watching this week is how right. did UCLA have success against their right. defense last year? Because they were a good defense last year. I mean, yes. they have a good run they defense. Were. So how was a team able to loosen that that run defense up? That's one of the games I'd right. be watching if I was Tommy. Right. Well, and it's all a similar thing last year uh, and, and at other times, you know, when teams have had some success. So that's what they're going to have to do. And, again, Notre Dame doesn't have – I mean, they're they're unfortunately – I still can't believe I'm saying this, but their their defense just is simply not as good as what as what Cal's – or as what UCLA – or their rush running game is not as good as what Cal's was last year. Or, uh, yeah, or UCLA's was last year. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't really look at that and you can't really gauge that. So I think – they need to have a, a very real, honest conversation about who they are and say, look, we've got a game plan for who we are, not who we want to be. Mm-hmm. And and that's a that's a big part of what they're doing. Because the only team that I – I mean, you Oregon and TC were the only teams that really had a lot of success running the ball to their running backs last year, like really mm-hmm. good success running their to their running backs last year. And, you know, they just – at that time, they just were, were better – we're better at it, you know, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame wasn't able to do that, but I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the game against TCU. TCU ran for 283. They had 24, let's say 35 yards on perimeter runs Mm -hmm. uh, on four carries that went for two first downs. Uh, They ran for two carries for 59 yards uh, off like between the tight end and the tackle. So like Mm -hmm. stuff where you're stretching it a little bit, to the right side, they went three carries for 23 yards on those runs to the outside. So they had you know, 34, see, 93. 
you have 117 yards on off tackle to outside stuff yeah. against them, which then makes you more effective to then now all of a sudden you got more room to work inside. It was another mm-hmm. game where Max Dugan had, you know, as the Max the quarterback had Max Duggan, right? It's Max Duggan, right? Duggan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, had success running the ball in that game as well. Again, you don't have that kind of quarterback at Notre Dame right now. And and Drew Pine, if you're asking him to do that, you're not you're not asking Drew Pine to do what he's good at. Yeah. And now you're down to two quarterbacks really, and you can't afford yeah. to to do that, especially with a defense as big and physical as Cal's. I don't mm-hmm. think you want those linebackers landing on Drew Pine in space like what we saw happen to Tyler Bunker last week. You can't you can't mm-hmm. afford that. You can't afford that. So that's what I think, Ryan. Any any final touches on Cal before we we dive into our mailbag? I, I think that for me it's you understand where your biggest where your biggest advantages are, right? Like you have better athletes than Cal has from an offensive first defensive perspective. It's about making the team uncomfortable, man. Like for me, it's just I need Tommy Reese to manipulate space and, and create space this week, whether that is running off tackle, whether that is hitting the screen game, RPO game, like all that stuff needs to be working this week, man. Like it has to, you know, that you have to make this defense uncomfortable and get them out of their comfort zone. You have to do it. So that's the biggest thing for me. Offensively, when Cal's on the field, you need to win the trenches, man. Like you just need to, you need to understand if I'm a self-evaluating team, I need to understand where are my strengths on paper and I need to, to capitalize on it, you know, like I feel like they just haven't in the first two games, more so the Marshall game, where they have a clear advantage, they haven't been able to take advantage of it. And this is the game to get right, man. Like we talked a lot about yesterday about the, you know, you have, or maybe it was two, uh, yeah, no, it was yesterday, uh, I think. I don't know. These these days all blend together. But <laughs> either way, you evaluate and you know on paper, this is where we win. And you have to go out there and you have to make it an actual thing, right? Like at the end of the day, you can't evaluate yourself and say that you are less athletic than Cal. You can't do it. Right. You know where your advantages are. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame needs to take that on paper stuff and they need to make it an actual thing. Because right. right now, it's not an actual thing. They haven't been able to capitalize on what is conceivably their advantages. So I, I right. think it's a pretty easy to see where the advantages are. Notre Dame has to capitalize on Saturday. Yep. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for this portion of our show. We will have a mailbag next, so don't get go anywhere. But before we get to the mailbag, we do ask that you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, leave us a five-star review, because if you're listening via podcast, the mailbag is going to come out in a different show. But for you all watching on the YouTube show, obviously we will just transition right smoothly to that. So uh, again, please leave that like, subscribe, hit that sh- hit that notification, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards, all that good stuff. I can only imagine what's in the chat right now. See you shaking your head like that, Ryan. So we will get to the mailbag uh, uh, portion next, but thank you for joining us for this breakdown of the Cal offense and defense. And remember, we will have a six o'clock show tonight. The guys will be talking a lot about what Coach Freeman uh, discussed today at his press conference. So it'll be quite interesting uh, on the Ivy Nation Sports Talk Show tonight at 6 p.m.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.